0: Hello and welcome to the Michael Mamas Show. I'm your host, Michael Mamas, and we're coming to you from Mount Selma, home of the Shri Sameshra Temple in the mountains of western North Carolina. <clears throat> Today we're going to talk about uh, Tantra, and there's a whole arena of uh, Vedic knowledge you know, that's called Tantra. And it's Largely not understood. I mean, a lot of times when people hear Tantra, they think left-handed Tantra, which is like black magic and things like that. But uh, actually there's, you know, the Veda, which is, you could say it's kind of like the, it's nature. It's kind of correlates to what in the West we call physics, you know, just nature and the laws of nature. Uh, uh, Of course, in the Vedic traditions, highly uh, personified, you know, with all the different aspects of Chaitanya, different aspects of the unified field, uh, different personified aspects. And that's where they get the idea of polytheism where it's really just different faces of the same one. And so that's um, the Veda. And then if Veda is like physics, then left-handed tantra is kind of like Hot wiring a car, or uh, you know short-circuiting something to get it to work right away, or uh, um, oh you know, sticking a piece of a tin foil in a fuse box because you blew the fuse and you don't have another one. Those things can work really fast and you get really dramatic results immediately, but they have very negative long-term side effects. you know, with the aluminum foil, you could burn the house down, for example. Uh, but left-handed tantra is extremely appealing uh, to people because, you see, the the results are so immediate and they're so dramatic. It's like some left-handed tantric techniques will tear open your third eye, tear open that chakra, and uh, all of a sudden all this light starts flooding in. You have these dramatic experiences, and what do you think? Oh, you know, you think you're enlightened or you think... You know that uh, this is the most powerful, wonderful spiritual technique I've ever experienced, uh, and so that is very uh, uh, pandemic. You know, in in uh, 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 Eastern cultures, but then there's right-handed tantra. If left-handed tantra is like um, hot wiring in a car, right-handed tantra is like engineering. It's uh, working with the laws of nature, working with physics, working with the Veda, it's working with the Veda in a way that is um, evolutionary in harmony with nature, conducive to uh, uh, spiritual growth and health and a wholesome life, you know, but uh, uh, it takes time. It's a gradual process. I like to say that chakras, you know, going back to the idea of tearing open a third ice and all this light floods in, chakras aren't meant to detonate you know they're meant to blossom and blossoming is a gradual and natural process but you know people are impatient if, if um if i was just to ask you if you uh were going after had some goal, be it spiritual growth or whatever uh, would you want the results to come gradually or right away well we want them to come right away and uh, that's why, you know, left-handed tantric techniques can be so appealing. But the karma, I mean, it can take lifetimes for a chakra to blossom and, and refine and be nurtured and evolve. Uh, and uh, with a left-handed tantric technique, you just blow all that apart and it can take lifetimes to just regain it, you know. But then again, it's popular, um, sadly enough. Uh, uh, and so now we can generalize that like I like to say everything exists transgradiently like for just using the example of yourself on the superficial level the self is the physical body that's yourself you know Uh, and the physical body has these different attributes like thoughts and consciousness like that but on a a deeper level the self is the persona the individuality um, uh, and that in that sense and and that individual self that individual persona has a quality or occupies you could say a physical body and then on an even deeper level the self is this transcendental value this Chaitanya value this universal value this place where you're one with everything uh, uh but not in an emotional sense but in a very real uh, physiological you could say sense and so you see the self then exists on different levels. Well, similarly like that, even though right and left tantra isn't traditionally expressed in this way, you could say that those principles, right-handed versus left-handed approaches to life, uh, exist transgradiently on all the different levels of life. Uh, on the physical level, what, Scotty, you could say you take a drug and it just... Um, well, like in World War II, I guess the Nazis were all taking something that now is called, I think, crack cocaine, I think it is. Yeah,
1: methamphetamine, yeah.
0: Methamphetamine. And so they, they became like super soldiers that could fight for days on end, you know, uh, uh, but it's not healthy, you know. And that, that's really a good example of a left-handed tantric approach if it, you know, was mapped onto a more superficial level of life. And uh, uh, you could even say that the whole idea of identity with a limited perspective, uh, that's a left-handed tantric technique. It's it's uh, something that's self-justifying. Like I say, you can justify in th- anything with the intellect and people do. So it's a narrative that you can grab onto and cling onto and it becomes like a clarity trip that you're on, uh, but it's not consistent with nature. It's left-handed tantric. And then, uh, uh, well, gee, think about that. In the arena of what politics, for example, Eco- economics, anything, really. Again, we want if we want something, we want it now. You know, a lot of times people say, "Well, some people are patient and other people aren't are impatient." We're all impatient. If we want something, we want it now. It's just that some people understand that a healthy approach is uh, a gradual process a natural blossoming, not an explosion or an upheaval. But we can see how in, in the arena of politics or in the arena of economics, we want our results immediately. And they even talk about how that's one problem the United States has uh, versus, for example, China is that China is happy to do you know five, ten year uh, and even longer uh, uh, programs, things that take that amount of time to unfold. Where the U.S. you know it's the, the next election cycle, you got to be prepared for it to get elected, and you have to get instant results. So it almost lends itself to sort of this uh, left-handed tantric approach, you could say. Uh, well, even those policies
1: like that, people—they're enacting. They're a lot of times they're they're solving or they're putting a band-aid on whatever it is. They're not getting to the root of the problem, which That's is very.
0: You know? yeah which is really very left-handed tantra in the way we're using the word now it's not right. in harmony with nature it's not going to the root right. it's just it's just putting a band in. yeah that's right Scotty. that's that could oh, and boy isn't that the way the way politics works you know yeah uh, but now there's this interesting thing is uh, the, the the Gordian knot you know there was this where was that somewhere probably in uh, the Middle East or something. And it was this knot, nobody could unravel it, and if you could unravel it, then I don't know, you were going to be king or something like that. And so when Alexander the Great approached the Gordian Knot, he took a sword and just sliced it right in half, <laughs> unraveled the whole thing immediately. Uh, but 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 the idea of, of the Gordian Knot is that, I mean, at least we're going, the way we're going to use it here, life is a Gordian Knot. I mean, there's a... Um, uh, a podcast that I watched and I usually don't watch these things. Somebody sent it to me and I got another podcast. Somebody wants me to watch, but I started and I watched the whole thing. Um, And so Scotty, you'll post the link to that as a comment to this blog. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so then I would really recommend it's about the world situation. Talks about Turkey, France, Germany, United States, Russia, China, the whole it's I thought very well done and and I think worth giving a listen um, but what it really convinces us of is the world is so complex it's such a huge, unfathomable gordian knot there is no unraveling that knot you know so there's a nice uh quote that that I saw uh. And it said that the Gordian knot is actually easily solved by finding an approach to the problem that renders the perceived constraints of the problem moot. Just wipes out the whole thing because you're not going to unravel that knot by taking one strand at a time. It's just too complex and too vast of a knot. So what we need is a a deeper solution. And, you know, I thought that lent itself when I saw this. I said, well, there you go. That's what we talk about. Uh, Raising level of consciousness, uh, purifying, cleaning the fishbowl, you know, like we talked about in the previous podcast. If the fishbowl is polluted, all the fish are affected. And some of the fish are going to be stronger than others, but others are just going to go nuts one way or another. The global consciousness, right? That was like kind of like a polluted fishbowl. All these different convolutions to the Gordian knot of conflicts and troubles and confusions. And these, these conflicts aren't just international. They're not just global. They go right down to the kitchen table, right down to an interpersonal relationship with your friend, your loved one, whatever. Uh, and so what has to happen then is the fishbowl bowl has got to be cleaned up and when it does then life is going to start to be lived in a manner that's in harmony with nature i.e right-handed tantra you see and so we'll move past uh all the distortions and the convolutions that that are really (laughs) messing things up you know um so i know that some somebody wrote in um comment to one of my podcasts, you know, was just so aghast or upset about the whole thing is such a mess. They were like, I just don't want to deal with it. I don't want to have anything to do with um, the news or anything anymore. And, uh, I don't, I get that, you know, boy, I can relate to it too. Sometimes I just can't watch anymore and I'll just put on a movie or something or go cut the grass or something. But, uh, but this is not a this is not a time to cower. Uh, it's going this this healing is going to come from the grassroots, and uh, as, as as group consciousness starts to rise up and say, "We're not doing this crazy stuff anymore," you know, and and uh, um, so it's it's a time to endure. Why? Because it's not just going to be the flick of a switch and everything's beautiful. It's going to be a process. And I think it's going to be, you know, uh, two or three years before we really start to move. The pendulum swings from the craziness that's going on now to a positive time. But uh, uh, we just we just have to endure in the meantime. But I think we owe it to ourselves and really to the world to not just cower Uh it's a time to think and ponder and reflect and look at what's going on and find deep within our own selves, what we really believe. uh, And live it and start to live it. You know, that's the thing, you know, um, I don't know if I mentioned this in the previous podcast or not, but I remember a time when I'd see people, you know, wearing the Christian cross and I always respected it. But at the same time, it's like, you know, to me, the, At that time, this was years ago, decades ago, it was like, you know, Christianity, you know, some guy sitting on a cloud and, you know, it just none of it made any sense. But even, even, here's the thing, even for people that have that kind of perspective on it, and I don't know if anybody really does, but even if they do, that cross that people wear symbolizes something much more than just, you know, that belief it, it it also, I think, very much so is an affirmation for the individual that a wholesome life, and what does wholesome mean? A, a life in harmony with natural law, with nature. People would say in harmony with, with, Christians would say in harmony with God, in harmony with the Christ spirit, you know, that sort of a thing. And And in that sense, then, I think a lot of, Well, to varying degrees, everybody. I mean, none of us totally understand all the secrets of the universe. It's just too vast. But to whatever degree we do understand our religion, you could say, it represents our sense of that inner decency, that inner divinity, that inner wholesomeness, that inner quality of life even though on the surface of our lives, we could be really caught up in left-handed tantra, you know, to speak that way. in, in identities with perspectives and viewpoints and things that are, you know, kind of twisted. But nevertheless, in the depth, we still feel it. And it's right there. And then I think a lot of people, when they wear a Christian cross, it symbolizes that for them. It helps them to, it's like, becomes like a touchstone. You see? Michael, this morning,
1: I happened to turn on uh, what was on the TV that that Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I don't know, this is so weird because there's a scene where Lot is with his wife who was a former slave or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she's Mm -hmm. like, I just don't get this whole thing where you're giving all this glory to God And you know you you've done all these great things as a man, and look at all these things that we have now that I will never have to suffer anymore. I have food, I have a place to live, I have all these great things, and this is all happening. And he's like, "You just don't get it, you know it's 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 not me." But you could see in his mind, he was saying, "I get the mechanic of nature, of which if I'm doing things in accord with natural law." all of these things work very well, but what you're doing is you're, you're white knuckling onto all of these things, you know, the house, the, the food, the, this, the, that, the, whatever. It's, it all, is.
0: it's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, you could see it where it's all going to go south because, <laughs> because they start to forget the mechanic. And it's like what you were saying earlier is that we, as a species need to start, working ourselves with that more that natural law where we have that relationship where we're not glomming on to certain things or whatever it is, but we're allowed to, you know, move
0: from all these. Yeah. I agree with all that. And then there's an, even another aspect of it is from his wife's perspective, if the understanding of God and spirituality and natural law and all that is too superficial, for yeah. her. it just doesn't yeah. make sense. And right. so then what then what happens? Yeah, is a lot of very, um, you could say, rational people are presented with an understanding of spirituality that's so superficial, right? That they're like, I just can't buy it, you know. Yeah, so sure. they, end th- this, so they end the up so they end up throwing out bath. the baby. Wow. They, they end up throwing out the baby with the bathwater,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's what she said. She just, I can't believe that there's this guy that's up on a cloud or something that's making all this happen,
0: you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I remember when I was a kid, I, I, at one point I was like that. It just didn't make any sense to me, but you know, I didn't throw out the baby with a bathwater. I looked, I tried to take a really deep look at, you know, what is life? What is existence? What is all of this? Right. And it, it led to a lot of my, uh, understanding, uh, uh, you know, that I embrace today. But in that context, you know, they say that the only true knowing is knowing that you know nothing. Oh, let's see, I have a Benjamin Franklin quote here that I really liked. Yeah, he's, he's, this is Franklin, you know, Benjamin Franklin, a man must have a good deal of vanity who believes in a good deal of boldness who affirms that all the doctrines he holds are true and all he rejects are false. That's in the notes if if you want to read it on your own in the podcast. But that's the thing, you know, Um, we so quickly uh, can get to a point of arrogance with what we think we know. And uh, of course, Socrates the only true knowing is knowing, you know, nothing. And so then there's that whole area in between where we feel we have a common sense. We have that thing that we sense deep within ourselves. Uh, but if we become, you know, self-righteous it's and, and think we've got it all figured out, then it becomes a good deal of vanity, you know, a clarity trip, if you will, you know. Um,
1: that brings up that, what you were talking about on the Internet, too, how there's so many of these realities that you can start searching and reinforcing yourself in certain you know. That's
0: right. See, that's one thing is right now, if we get off on a tangent with some narrative, you can go online and search it and you can find so many people that are off on that narrative tangent and even better at it than you are. And it all starts to reinforce. And so we get all these fractions, all these different, um, uh, conflicting viewpoints and what it t- tends to do then at some point is it um, alienates alienate society. We have conflicting viewpoints that people become adamant about and they are reinforcing that perspective uh, through the internet. You know, uh, And so what has to happen here is people need to start to develop a healthy relationship with the internet and just because you go online and see a bunch of people saying something that's kind of the way you were thinking, doesn't make it true, you know. Uh, but, boy, it's a hook. And I would throw so much of that into the whole arena of left-handed tantra. It's, con- it's convoluted, but it's consistent within itself. And it becomes this quagmire of the Gordian knot, you know. And, uh uh how do you sever that Gordian knot? You know you have to introduce a whole new principle and see that 's what i 'd like to see. Maybe not all my perspectives on everything are right i 'm sure they 're not, but the thing is there 's a fundamental principle here: clean the fishbowl, clarify global consciousness, clarify your own, clear up your own uh, conditioning, programming, limited thoughts, indoctrinations. <laughs> rest into your own true nature which is divine you see and and that's a fundamental principle and and uh really if you take a step back there's just common sense to it what we are innately and instinctively at the depth of our being look at all the intelligence all the coherence just in one cell of the body let alone the entire being uh uh it's a phenomenally profound and and highly creative and intelligent field from which we emerge. And so if we just return to that from which we have emerged, then we tap into that whole field of creativity and intelligence and and wisdom, you see?
1: It's funny, I was just thinking, can you imagine if we could do the same thing with our bodies that we do on like taking that internet example and saying, the heart is the way. The heart is Mm -hmm. the the thing that Mm -hmm. keeps us alive. Okay, and then you forget yeah. about your lungs and your, everything else like that, you know? It's, it's a, I don't know. Well,
0: see, some people would say it's the heart and oh, it's love and light and oh, I, have, I found yeah. the path. Other people would say, oh, it's the intellect. I just, I, 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 nothing makes sense and you become this nihilistic being that's got it all figured out because you come identified with that. So it's only when all the different pieces of the puzzle come together and, and integrate into a unified whole which in the Vedic tradition they would call the Samhita value, you know, the wholeness value that, I mean, what, what, is, what is it to understand life? It, it's to have a, at least approach a, a understanding that brings all the pieces together. The, instead of rejecting, you know, the, the idea of wholesome, for example, Oh, wholesome! Oh, that's you know, what would they say? namby Pamby? What words would they use, Scotty? You know, yeah. uh, you know, just kind of uh, uh, immature or la la land kind of. Thing. But but what it, when it becomes grounded in reality and on all the different levels, that's when that's when we can start to feel like we are approaching a level of truth and understanding of life. As opposed to severing off one section and saying that there it is, that's the narrative that's going to do it. Now, another thing I, I want to talk about, and I think it's a really important subject, is this whole arena of uh, uh, conflict resolution. You know, and we can even take an example of just two people. Say they're two friends, and then that will generalize out to what happens between nations. You know, and what happens? And that's why this podcast, or, or, yeah, that uh, Scotty's going to post as a comment is so good because it shows how that plays out historically on an international level. It's really well done. But two people, somebody says something, to, one of them says something to the other, and it upsets let's say it hurts their feelings. And the person who said it may not even realize that they hurt the person's feelings, but they did. And so then the the person who feels hurt kind of has an edge. And so they say something that hurts back. And then the whole thing just from there, it just takes off. That's why I like to tell people to try to stay out of the weeds because before you know it, these people who are dear friends really and love each other because they've had so much caught up in so much of this conflict, they end up hating each other and, and, and But the thing is, that hurt goes so deep that to even suggest that, for example, they were the one that started it or to even suggest that, oh, no, you know, um, you're not seeing it the way it is. Um, I mean, they just feel so passionately that they're right. And this other person is treating them wrongly and improperly, and they just can't get past it. And so when they get together with that kind of feeling, all it does is it makes it worse. And and great relationships, potentially great relationships are compromised. You know? And, And how do you deal with that? Well, of course, the first thing you have to do is just calm down. And on an individual level, so many conflicts I see between people and they're just so hurt and they're crying talking about it and so upset. And they'll never get over it and they'll never be able to forgive that person. If they just can just forget about it or just walk away from it. You won't completely forget about it, but don't keep feeding. Don't keep fanning that flame. You don't put out the fire by fanning the flame, you know? And so give it a few days. And at that point, if they can do that, a few days later, they don't even care. Whatever it was, they can't even remember or, you know, and if, and if they still do, then give it a few more days and, the time comes when they realize that, you know what, the whole thing was just a big misunderstanding. Now that's the time. If you need to talk about the differences after both people get to that point, then they can talk about it. And and maybe there was some misunderstanding or something that could be improved, uh, in the relationship or whatever they're disagreeing about, whatever. But until then, you're not going to get there. You, it's just going to make it worse. And we see this uh, internationally, Ukraine. Uh, uh, those things are not black and white, good guys, bad guys. They're multifaceted, and historically uh, complex. It's all a Gordian knot. And and uh, so how do you unravel the Gordian knot? You know, clean the fishbowl purified global consciousness. Everything then will calm down. And then there will be, um, every nation will be self-sufficient. Every nation will be healthy. Every nation will be at peace. Every nation will be prosperous. Think of all the money we just pour into wars and conflict and the agony and the pain, I'm talking about building up resentments and stuff. And it's all a waste of time. And we all know that. We see the news and say, oh man, the world's crazy, but the world keeps being crazy. That's why. That's why the solution is so simple. The, 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 the healing of the, the Gordian knot, the unraveling of the Gordian knot. That quote that I read finding an approach to the problem that renders the perceived constraints of the problem moot. They all become moot points, irrelevant. You see? So important, so fundamental. And you don't see it anywhere on the news. You never see it talked about. It's almost like the world doesn't even get it, even though that's what the Vedic seers have been saying. For thousands of years, that knowledge has been there, you know. Anything else, Scotty, to talk about? There's so many in my notes. See, these notes that I write are just, I have a thought, and it could be while I'm mowing the lawn or watching TV or when I wake up in the middle of the night or whatever, and I just jot it down, and I I read through it, and tell you the truth, I was going to filter out a lot of it uh, uh, bef- before I posted it as a blog that goes along with this podcast, but I was like, you know what, each one of these things, if people want to, we're not stupid, you know, if we read these things, we reflect upon them on our own, and I think it can do us, um, it, it can be a, a value, you know, there was a, uh, I'm just looking at my notes here. There was one thing I talked about, Judgment at Nuremberg. It's a movie. Uh, it was made, you know, a long time ago, but it's a great movie if you want to get a feeling for what this Hungarian woman said about uh, when the Nazis were taken over. She said, you have to understand that that kind of infiltrated so gradually it was like you know, this happened it's not really right, but it'll change. That's obviously wrong. It's not going to keep on. And it just keeps growing and growing and growing into this monster, you know. And uh, so that might be a movie. If you haven't seen it, uh, you might want to watch it. Uh, And do listen. I really recommend listening to that thing that Scotty's going to post as a comment to the blog. And uh, I guess that's about it for today, huh, Scotty? Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And there's more... There's more in the notes. When you read through these notes, just there I don't even want them to be complete thoughts, really. It's it's food for your own thought. Read this and reflect about it. And, and if uh, people
1: have the comments, too, like just to comment y- on it, if they want us to talk about them. Or,
0: or, yeah, if, if, that's a good point, Scotty. If there's anything in there that you would like uh, to discuss, bring it up as, as a comment to the blog and we can uh Go into it back and forth as, as comments to the blog. You can say it, I'll respond. Uh, other people can chime in, whatever. Uh and so I guess for now that's about it, huh, Scotty? Sure. All right, great. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. Oh, I'm going to be posting another blog that doesn't won't have a podcast going on along with it. It's the Yugati reading. readings. So I'll explain what that means. It has to do with Jyotish and it has to do with the moon. And uh, the moon is very influential in uh, Jyotish. And so these Udadi readings kind of speak to the influence of the moon in your chart. Uh, And if you know your Vedic astrology chart, you can just look it up uh, for the next year. Okay, it's not the only influence, but it's it's a major one. Okay, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again next time.